Hello, and welcome to Dissecting a Frog, a podcast about writing, performing, and producing comedy. It's hosted by me, Luke Morris. This week, we're going to talk to Ivan Aristigeta. He's a great guy. Uh, if you don't know Ivan, I highly recommend checking him out. In fact, uh, you should go to his website. I will even put a link in the show notes to his website because on his website there's a video. Watch that video. It's five minutes of excellent comedy. Also, uh, it's a routine in there called the Pieces of Paper routine that he thinks is one of his best. We do a little bit of a talk about that. Uh, So it's good to see that routine, see some great comedy writing and then learn how he went about sort of getting the ideas to put all that together and what he really likes about that routine. And so this this episode is, is great because not only is Ivan just really someone who loves comedy and the way it works, um, he shares a lot of ideas and tips on how to create a routine or expand a routine or, or just create some content for something that you want to talk about on stage. And he does mention that you've really got to want to talk about it, to have some passion about it, and then from there use that to expand. And it, it's, it's it's a great chat. It's a, it's it's great for that. This is for, this is an episode for those note takers out there who who want all the tips. Uh, this is uh, a good one. Um, if you do enjoy this, this is part of Comedy Victoria, which is a not for profit that we've set up with writers, producers, and performers of comedy in regional Victoria uh, the whole idea is that we get these interviews so that we can learn a little bit more so uh, if you enjoying this please help us you can just by becoming a member comedyvictoria.com.au uh, there's links on there or you follow us on at comedy Vic and I'm going to start linking on the socials the upcoming uh, comedians or uh, producers or writers or performers who we're going to interview and say any questions for blah 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 and you'll be like yeah I've always wanted to ask blah 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 this and then I'll ask them on your behalf as I did with Avan and uh, you'll hear that um, you'll hear lots of things with this you might hear his dog in the background it's all fine it's a good chat listen to this and let's jump into the interview and dissect the frog of just writing comedy with Ivan and Mr. Getter. And, yeah, so I had feedback. I asked, I, I mentioned to some uh, listeners last night uh, that I was talking to you today. And I, I said, any questions for Ivan? The f- one question was, which is the worst country in South America and why is it Paraguay? <laughs> that was Sean. Sean asked that question. So that was just Sean trying to just sneak a joke. It's right, a good that, joke. It's a, good, a joke. good joke. I had a laugh. Um, well, uh, it, uh, it all depends. I think it, if we're talking about, we're going to talk about jokes today and what's the best <laughs> The best yeah. and the worst. I, I, it's such a um, subjective opinion of what what makes a, a country a good country, and it's the same thing as what makes a joke a good joke. Like uh, oh, yeah. it's very subjective. So I, I've been thinking about recently um, oh. about the goat, right? Yeah, like, the, 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 the term the greatest of all time. Yeah, who is the goat? I, it can't be the goat in arts. Because arts are, it's about how subjective, like anyone, everybody has their own taste for yeah. music and taste for comedy and taste for any, it's, it's interpretation, it's, it's different taste. You cannot be the GOAT. I think the only GOATs can be probably sports because it's based in numbers and it's yep. very objective. So it's like this many goals, this many wins, this many championships and and that's you can you can measure the goat with numbers, but yeah. you cannot measure taste for comedy with numbers. So you can't be the no one can. There's no goat. Well, it's amazing that because you do get so many 
the subjectiveness of what's a good joke, I suppose in, in during that, when you're performing a routine or you're rehearsing a routine, you might have written a whole bunch of jokes and you might have your favourites in there and then they're not the ones the audience responds to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you keep trying a number of times and then give it up or do you, do you occasionally you go to a show and you hear someone say, I just keep that in there for me. Do you, how do you cope, I suppose, with the rejection of a joke that you like? I've done that many times. I've done, um, I've kept jokes for me. I've said that on stage. Um, I have removed jokes when I try so much that they're just, uh, it's just not making it. And then you start hating the joke. I think sometimes when you think a joke is great and then you try and then you fix it and you keep trying, it's not working, it's not working. I myself end up hating the joke because it's making me feel bad. It's yeah. making me like, I want to make people laugh with my jokes. And sometimes it takes time to understand who you are as a, as how the, the audience perceives you. Yep. Especially after a while when you have you, the, the audience have been supporting you for many years. And sometimes it's not that the joke is a bad joke, but the joke doesn't fit the persona they have in their mind about you. Yeah. And it's like weird for them. I, I find that interesting because I, I, I wrote a question in preparation that was effectively, I mean, we, did a gig last year and I met you and I was like, I find it's really chill, quite relaxed, really friendly and engaging, which is great. You're a, a normal, friendly person. On stage, it's bang, it's power. You, you jump out and you really fill the stage with a big presence. Yeah. And I, I wonder about that as, is that a persona? Is that something that you've created as a thing? Or is that, what, do you, do you notice a, the difference? Yeah, in, yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah. I um, I think if if it's time, it takes time to find yourself on stage, and I think that's that's how I feel more comfortable, and that's when when my opinions resonate more when I yep. when I present them that way. Yep. And also, since I was very very young, I always loved making people laugh, and uh, I was constantly on. But yep. when I started doing comedy, and maturing and getting older. I, I realized that I had the space to do it on stage and I didn't have to, didn't have to be on all the time. Yeah. So I'm enjoying that a lot. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I'm not one of those comedians that will be telling jokes backstage at all. Yeah. I'm just, I, I actually love a serious conversation backstage. <laughs> and, and then, cause I've got my place to do it. Yeah. I don't have to. I don't have to do it all the time. I don't have to do it hundred percent of the time. Yeah. So I like using my energy on stage like that. I know that I went when, when I'm loud and I, another, it will be me speaking English. Like I, I enunciate better when I'm louder. Okay. So it's like, um, I'm, I'm pushing the words harder with, you know, with, with, with air and I have to be more clear. So if, if I, if I reduce the volume, I might mumble. Yes. And, and for me as a non, as an English, as a second language speaker, I need uh, mumbling is terrible. <laughs> me. Yeah. So, so I, cause I, when I loud, I open my mouth more and, and I enunciate and I modulate the words and I uh, better. Yeah. So that's important for me and to make it very to make clear, to make the words clear, so people can laugh. Yeah, I found that it seems that you come across as really passionate as well. Yeah, with the the topics, and I, I wonder if you're writing, do you have to get into a, the jokes that don't work? Are they because you just the character on stage is so passionate, but the thing that you're trying to get across? Yeah. In, if, if you're writing in silence or however, how do you, how do you write? Do you write by yourself or do you write? I write, I write by myself and, um, and then I, I, I catch up with many comedy friends to do writing sessions with them, but I need to come up with a, to the session with something already written. Yeah. So, um, recently I, I work a lot with my friend, Kirsty Wiebeck. Yep. 
Um, we bounce jokes to each other. I've got a, I've got another friend in, in Adelaide. His name is Russell Harrop. Um, of course, my manager, who is a great comedy writer, he's not a, a, a comedian on stage, but he's a very, he's a great comedian on the paper and he, he writes for stuff. So, but I always write first. And one of one, when I, when I pass on some knowledge that some, um, new comedians ask me about writing comedy. I call it the, the, the fucking effect. Mm-hmm. The fucking effect is the, that emotion. Like I fucking love this. I fucking hate this. I fucking obsessed with this. You don't have to say fucking, but you have to feel like that yep. in order to talk about something. Like if you don't have that opinion on that, that emotional, um, guttural connection to the subject that you're talking, don't talk about it. Like, cause it's, cause the audience know when you're talking about something just for the, cause you think you're going to, you think it's funny and they're going to, you know, you're going to make them laugh, but it's not about you. And it has to be about you. Cause we, when sometimes when you add that emotional connection to it, it's, it's, it's actually the fun bit. The funny bit is, is that is how obsessed you are about a subject. For example, let's see, um, I have a joke about, uh, I don't think garlic bread is a side dish for pizza and I'm, I'm serious about it. I hate it. But yeah. I don't say, and I don't say in my joke that I hate it, but you can tell that I'm emotionally connected with that subject. Like I, I think it's a stupid thing to have more pizza as a side dish because that's what garlic bread is. It's just more pizza. Like a yeah. side dish should be different. It should be a salad or whatever, something that is not bread for a pizza it could be chips if you want but it has to be different from just bread so i think it could be a very silly subject or a very important complex subject but it has to be you have to have that emotional connection to it you have to have that what i call the fucking the fucking feeling i fucking hate it i fucking love it if you don't have that so so a great tip for comedy writers um, on creating new material is if you find yourself in a conversation, any social conversation, and you are very passionate about a point of view and an opinion that you have, that's what you should be talking about on stage. That's right. Because uh, um, that's, 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 that's how we start. As, as every comedian starts, like open micers, we all start um, thinking, what can I say? that the audience is going to laugh, like yes. it's going to make the audience laugh. What can, why, what do people think it's funny, but it's not about your world. It's not what do what you think is funny. It has to be what it has to be about you. And that's what we find. Like, that's why most comedians uh, at their beginning, when they're, when they're starting open mics and stuff for the very first times, they all do the same jokes or yep. everybody does the same joke. We've all done it. I've done it. And it's a natural process that you have to go through and figure it out that you're just telling jokes. And sometimes those jokes are not going to work because that's, that's, that's what hack means. Hack is, and, and we are all hack when we start and that's normal. And that's, that's, that's what you're supposed to do because you have to figure it out. So a hack comedian is talking, is doing the same jokes all over and over that everybody can tell anyone can tell, but yeah. what's the joke that only you can tell? And that's the difference one. And that's what you're talking about. The only thing that you can tell is something that you're passionate about and that you have that connection to. I was trying to write something about yeah. uh, along that lines recently, but I kept finding that I really care about this topic, but I seem to just be imparting a care or knowledge or point of view and not comedy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The comedy is that you have to explain that in a funny way. And, 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 and so you start talking about something, for example, that uh, we can, we can work on, on your joke if you want to, but I'll, I'll give you an example with one of my jokes that I, I wrote for, for my, for my show. And I've removed the joke from the okay. show because I'm passionate about it. And I think it's funny, but the energy of the show changes so much that people don't laugh oh. because I am very positive throughout throughout the whole show and this is the only joke that i'm not positive and i'm like i'm a bit hateful okay so um 
the premise of 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 the show is about um it's about balance showing your good side and your bad side yep like the yena i call it the yena effect yena na yeah it's a it's it's australian philosophy for balance there's no it's australian yin yang there is no yeah with a little bit of now there's no now without a little bit of yeah so i'm explaining australia and i'm explaining legends and i said legends are imperfect heroes because in australia we are constantly acknowledging that humans are not perfect because an australian legend is a, is a great guy who is also a dickhead yes that's a that's a legend yeah a legend is not a perfect human a legend is it's a great person that has flaws yes and and the joke that I that I, I I wanted to continue that idea and the opposite. So who if you if you pretend to be perfect in Australia, that's called a wanker. Yes. And there's some people people don't understand the some people don't understand these, and uh, and mo, mo, most of them are real estate agents. And I talk about real estate agents with proper hatred. Like I I'm like why are you showing up with a great car and a perfect suit or a perfect dress and uh, and accessories that are very expensive when you're actually selling to someone who is trying to save as much money as possible and make <laughs> a very important life like why are you not relatable yeah and you can tell and i can tell the audience going Fuck! You really hate real estate agents, <laughs> <laughs> and and you're not explaining it in a in a in a in the same lighthearted way that you've been doing all the jokes. Yeah. So I had to remove it because I'm I'm I'm. It's a good. I know it's good. It's a good observation. It's a good joke, but it doesn't fit in the show. You're showing. Uh, I want to say dichotomy. The uh, the opposite between the um the real estate agent and the the public. The, the person that they're serving so yeah. you're creating this uh juxtaposition yeah yeah i tell a story that m- the guy who saw my my apartment was a legend because on the he could show he showed his flaws like the the day <laughs> the day we we signed the contract he a, a, a drop of blood came out of his nose and hit the table and he was like sorry man i had a big party last night <laughs> was so, that joke so, in the original routine yeah yeah and it's funny but i i can feel the show stops takes yes. a step aside we do this joke and then we i have to bring them back to the original show because it changes the it's a and and this is what the first question that you the first thing you talked about do you ever have a good joke that you think it doesn't work and so it's for you and yeah, that joke is for me, but um, I remember having a chat with um, uh, what's his name from the Comedians Comedians podcast? Uh, Stu, uh, Stu Goldsmith. Stu Goldsmith. Um, um, he's a great guy, and when he was doing shows in Melbourne, we always catch up, and we did the I did the podcast with him. He he had me as a guest, and then we caught up again in Edinburgh, and. Um, we love talking about same same conversation like with you like just, just yeah. talk about the craft yeah and he has a great term called um that he, the um barnacle joke the barnacle joke is is just like a barnacle um stuck to the to the body of a of a sheep of a boat yep, yep. it it um breaks stops the boat from the momentum like it gives a lot of uh um what do you call it the um friction resistance friction. Yeah. yeah exactly resistance is a great word it gives resistance to the momentum of the of the boat on the surface of the water there's too much friction yeah so once you remove that barnacle joke the boat goes more smoother in a smoother sailing in a smoother way so you have to yeah. remove that joke that the joke can be great but if you're doing a one-hour show it's not great for that one-hour show yeah that's interesting because it, that relates to building a routine or building a joke I, I i particularly like the routine you have about pieces of paper yeah and the 
I keep thinking back to that as where do you start with that? Because it just seems like there's so many interconnected references to the importance of paper in that. Yeah. That you almost have one routine. So I'm, I, the, the question is where did you start and how did you finish with it? But it's like you have one one piece and then you, well, not barnacles, but you're adding things on top of it to make yeah. the thing larger. So that's my favourite joke that I've ever written. Oh. My number one joke, like, um, I constantly tell myself, like, my um, utopic show will be to write an hour of just jokes like that. And I know it's impossible, but I want to aim that. And I think since I wrote that joke, I haven't written another joke as good as that one. Oh, wow. Either technical and, and funny, because that joke is both. Yes. Um, because you have the technical, you mean like you have some act out portions within it. It's a very clear premise. Yeah. And and at the end, it, it, it ties back to the beginning. Yes. And um, that joke started with a very passionate opinion that hit a nerve. And I, and I think that's that energy was what created the joke. I actually I, 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 had a friend saying that marriage is just a piece of paper. And I, I was, I'm not religious at all. For me, my reasons, and I never mentioned in the joke that religious reasons that yeah. about marriage, my, all my reasons are very, um, about you know, society. And, and that year I heard I'm I'm very romantic and passionate. I love uh, I love love. <laughs> I love a, a relationship that works, and um, um, and I put a lot of myself in a, when I'm in a relationship. And I heard a very sad story that a couple, um, a, a same same sex couple, uh, were traveling overseas, and uh, one of them died from an accident huh. in, in their holiday and the partner couldn't bring the body back to Australia because they were not married. I do. That, that's again, that's the, <laughs> that's a piece of paper they were lacking. Exactly. So it's just it's just the the document. Not even no, I'm not talking about love or anything, but it it hurt. That that story was sad. Yeah, and um, made me think. Wow, that's marriage is not. And when I say when I came up with when I was writing the joke, I came up with a it's a certificate of participation in someone's life. That's that's what I wanted to say. So you had the. It, it tells that I, I'm part of your life, I'm part of the life of my partner, and that you need that piece of paper. And it's, it's like, well, it's a contract for a period of time. Or, or, or... Exactly, it's a contract. Yeah. So, so and then I, I was passionate about it, and many things happened when I wrote that joke. Um, I started listing, okay, piece of paper. What are the important pieces of paper? And yeah. I started writing a list, even money is a piece of paper. Um, uh, um, so many things a piece of paper like I say like uh, I'm, I'm like of course a passport a citizenship a visa yes. is a piece of paper and then yeah. so many pieces of paper that I need so everything started coming up and it's a good idea and then um, the year before I saw for, for the first time live uh, Jerry Seinfeld I saw him in Montreal and I love how technical he is and the way I could describe the show was like, oh my God, this guy is not just a funny bit. I think he makes the words bounce. He juggles the words. And, and that was in my top of mind for, for, for a while after seeing him. It's like, I wish I can juggle words like Seinfeld. How do you and, mean? Because uh, that's... When you say juggle words, you're referring to like the cadence of yeah, but it's like delivery? it's taking the same yeah the cadence of the delivery is it's repeating the same word over and over. Imagine you're like 
let, let's say you're a, a juggler with with three balls, and let's yeah. say one one ball is is one specific word, and the word disappears and then comes back and disappears and comes back and disappears and tumbles and comes back, and um, you know that routine, that Jerry Seinfeld routine about uh, uh, great and crap. Oh, I don't know it. So he says that there's a big difference. There's a, there's a very small one. Something is crap and something's great. Yeah. It's just a fine line. Yes. And he keeps bringing with the examples, great and crap, great and crap. And then the last one, the last, the last bit that, that, that ties everything up. That it's like when you, when you, when you have a, an ice cream, then the ice cream, you drop the ice cream and then hits the floor. You go, crap. What do you say? Great. So he, he, he ties the, I see the words bouncing yep. and then, and then lands them. Like the, the final punchline is like a landing and placing the word in a place that fits perfectly. Yeah. And that's what I mean with that. So I wanted to write a joke that bounces the words like that. And, uh, and, and, it happened and the rhythm of the word, piece of paper. So I like that, that rhythm, bringing piece of paper back on, back on. I'm not, I was inspired by Seinfeld. I'm not, never going to say I did a joke as good as Seinfeld because that's, <laughs> no one can say that. No. Um, you, you did your own joke. I did my own joke and I was inspired by his technique and I was inspired by the, by my passionate opinion about piece of paper. And um, and marriage, and the, my passionate opinion about how many, uh, as an immigrant, all the paperwork that you have to do to get your visa and to get your citizenship. So uh, that's how I wrote it. I haven't that, written a joke like that ever since. Uh, there's two questions in there. I think the first one I'll go to is. Do you ever listen to other comedians before you write or while writing? If if you're yeah. saying listening to Jerry Seinfeld gave you that inspiration, that pattern. Yeah. A, a lot of comedians, I know a lot of friends who try to stay away from watching comedy when they're writing. I think it's the complete opposite because they're afraid of writing the same. Yeah. Talking about Using the same. their voice, I guess. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I, yeah, I understand what you're saying about the voice, but um, what I, what I've heard from friends is like, they don't want to talk about the same stuff and they feel they're going to be um, biased or influenced by the same opinion and they're going to end up writing the same joke and they, 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 they want to step away from that. For me, it's like, great, I don't want to write the same joke. So if I already have an opinion about something and it's, I'm, boom, I'm not, I, I, yeah. I'm, I could very easily disconnect myself from an idea and yeah. put it in the rubbish bin and forget about it very quickly. Um, I love watching my, my comedy, um, inspirations, my, 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 my legends. <laughs> yeah. who, who would that um, be? For example, if I'm trying to write a joke that is hard to explain yeah. and I find it's a subject that is, that is too delicate. I always watch, uh, Patton Oswalt Annihilation because in, in that, in that, special he talked he talks about the hardest thing ever which is how like telling his daughter that her mother passed unexpectedly mm. which is the worst thing you could be ever like a, a, a little baby finding out that the most special person in their life is gone forever and he explains the whole thing very respectfully and very funny like you're laughing, he's not making fun of laugh. He's sorry, he's not making fun of death. He's not making fun of anyone. He's being extremely honest, but he's explaining everything in a very funny way. Yeah. And and that I use that as inspiration as it, like you can you can explain anything in a funny way. So it's liberating because rather yeah. than saying you're influenced by other people are saying they don't want to listen to a comedian because they might get impressed upon 
the, the type of things to talk about. You've already got your passion. You've already got the thing you want to talk about. Yeah. You're feeling if you watch something, you get that liberation and you get that yeah. that frame of mind where it says it's okay to talk about this. Yeah. And and I use their techniques. Like, oh, the way he's using um, – I found out by analyzing that, analyzing all the comedians talking about serious stuff is to bring the audience – to use analogies and metaphors and similes that are in a, in a playful, happy area. So you're talking about death, but you can talk about death, giving a simile and analogy metaphor outside death. Yep. And, um, Patton Oswalt uses, uh, Batman and Bruce Wayne, uh, in the cemetery and, and it's very funny. So he's talking about superheroes, which is a fun thing. And it's a memory of us from your childhood. And that gives you to a happy place. He's using a superhero to describe something about a funeral and death, which is, so if you, if you, he's great at, at using symbols and analogies and metaphors. He's great at that. Um, for example, um, Brian Regan, uh, great comedy writer, great comedian. He, he uses, um, he uses himself as, as, as another viewer of the joke or, or the situation he's explaining. He's like, Oh, like I'm dumb. So he uses that. He steps, he, he takes, he, he, it's like another voice, a character outside of watching yeah. the scenario. Looking yeah. Yeah. Back. Yes. Um, Chris Rock, um, the old, old school Chris Rock is, it's one of my first, uh, inspirations. And, um, cause I love a very solid premise and I love to repeat the premise so people know exactly. I go a premise, ba ba doon da 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 boom. That's the premise, and I, and then I repeat the premise with uh, backwards, ba da ba doon da 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 boom, and then and I keep doing the joke, and I remember the audience, I remind the audience about what we're talking about. So it's it's just putting the premise out there, putting the premise out there. In that um, uh, um you know that um thing on YouTube by. Uh, Originally, HBO, the Talking Funny with uh, Ricky Gervais and Lucy K and Chris Rock and Seinfeld. Yeah. Chris Rock, I think it's around in the 20-something minute mark. He says, a lot of jokes don't work because the premise is not clear. And I've been, um, I, I've, I've, I knew about that before I heard him doing that. But when he said it, I was like, okay, I'm on the right track. And the way I explain it is we, we're all different minds. We all think something is funny. The premise and the setup is what makes people see the world through your eyes and laugh with you. Yes. I was just thinking that because that's, that's what you're talking about, making it clear. You've got to bring the audience into, onto the, into the writing, into the, the, the narrative that you're telling. And if yeah. the audience can't get onto that boat, they're not yeah. going to, all they're going to see is barnacles as it drifts away. Yeah. And that's another big mistake that we all do when we start doing comedy. We assume everybody knows what we're talking about. Yeah. And that's number one mistake. Never assume the audience knows what you're talking about unless it's pretty obvious. Like we're talking about Trump. Everybody knows about that. Everybody talking yeah. about, um, but, but only a few jokes can be like that. It's what, it's what I call, this is my own term, the collective premise. This is a premise that everybody knows that you don't yep. have to say it out loud. A uh, typical thing, if you say, if you're telling a, you know, a street joke about a drunk guy, you don't have to say drunk people behave like this when they're drunk. You don't have to, you just go straight to the, to the street joke about the drunk guy because everybody knows how a drunk person behaves. Yep. Um, uh, my first joke on this show, just to, to make things happening quick. It's, I don't have to say the premise that I identify as an Australian. My pronouns are yeah, nah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's something that it's, people know a lot. Like I don't have to explain about pronouns. I don't have to explain that. It's just a joke. It's quick. Yeah. 
but in most of the time when you're talking about things that matters to you people probably have no idea what you're talking about and and that's where the craft is the craft is how can i make people okay um one of my favorite australian comedians that i use as inspiration i always try to see his show um every comedy festival is damien power oh yes and why do i like him because you can tell that his his brain is in a different he, the things that he cares about are, are very particular and deep yeah. and complex and he lives in Queensland and he, he, he writes when he tries his material, his material is in Queensland. So he is amazing at translating complex philosophical thoughts about economics and the universe to a true blue, <laughs> blue color audience yeah. and people laugh. So that's a great inspiration to go, okay, if it's a, if it's a. How do you take lit, a complicated premise and then bring it down to a. Yeah. And, and I think the job of a comedian, we have to be, we are communicators. Yeah. That's our job. And you cannot make people laugh if you don't communicate well. That's it. Well, that's something that going back to being on the stage being loud and on voiceless on stage. One thing talking about um, uh, how to communicate front on facing the audience. I've if looking at some comedians who mumble down into the ground and on talk into the floor and all that kind of thing. You've got to communicate straight up with people and, yeah. and let them into who you are quite quickly and clearly. Yeah. And for some comedians looking down the floor and mumbling, that's, that's part of the persona that they want to. Oh yeah. For example, uh, what's his name? Um, one of the greatest one-liners, uh, comedian, uh, ah. right? Stephen Wright? Oh yeah, Stephen Wright. Yeah. Stephen Wright is like that. He's mumbling, he's looking to the floor, he's very shy, but that's part of the obscure char character that like that gives the audience more information to see the world through his eyes. Yeah. As That's long the presentation as presentation of him and it stays. Yeah. But yeah. if your presentation state doesn't match what you're saying. Yep. That's when it's bad. That's when it's confusing. Yep. Often forget that the way you present on stage carries on to what the audience is thinking of you and yeah. therefore whether or not they're going to go along with you wide. A great guy to, yeah, Louis Black. Um, I say that there's some comedians like Louis Black. The joke is not what they're talking about, it's how they are talking about it. Uh, like for me, he is the premise. Yep. Like the way he gets angry about milk. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> It's about like, yeah, it's milk, but um, it's funny because you're getting so upset about something as silly and trivial as milk. Yeah. And I think that's the way he conducts himself. That's is so important in his act. So the anger. Sometimes it's just somebody yeah. getting ang angry about something that that's the, almost the format of every Faulty Towers, John yeah. Cleese character is yeah. always someone who's the audience laughs at someone being angry for almost no reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so funny. Um, one of the things you mentioned in writing was how you made lots of notes. You made a list. When mm -hmm. you came up with an idea, do you, do you brainstorm in, in a sense when you have a, something you want to be talk about? Do you sit down and then just think all these topics and then sit back from that and then yeah. how do they connect? What's funny? Yeah. Um, there's a technique called the, the mind map. I don't know. If oh, you... yeah. So I use that. Yeah. Um, um, for example, let's say you, 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 you write in the mind map. It's pretty easy. You just get a blank piece of paper and in the middle, write the, the main thing you want to talk about. Let's say, let's say uh, marriage. 
yeah. because of a piece of paper thing. So um, right, you're right around marriage. So you do like a little cloud in the middle of the paper with the word marriage. And then you write around that word, other clouds with words are connected to marriage. Yeah. You can go wedding, you can go bride, you can go document, you can do piece of paper, you can do registry, you can do religion. And then from those clouds, do the same thing, but independently. See the word in an independent way. See religion in an independent way. Don't connect religion to marriage. So just go, what are the 10 things around religion that are very common? And then you can extend that like as a fractal <laughs> web as long as you can. So in that way, you can connect. Maybe religion got you to, I don't know, uh, uh, wine because of uh, Christian religion, the Catholic, they drink wine. And then from wine, you can go to um, South Australia or McLaren Vale and Barossa. And then Barossa is Germans. So you, are, you, can, you can connect from Germans to marriage. And, and if you follow that path. So that's, that's a great tool to, to, to connect different things in one joke. And that will give you that, that will expand your, 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 your view of the joke. The joke is not about just marriage. It could be about wine in, in South Australia and the German uh, immigrants when they started. That's almost the way you can ex take a, a one-liner comic or a joke that's just one set up and joke. Mm -hmm. And then if I want to build on that, because that's a big, I get a big punchline on that, but I need to make five minutes of material, not just yeah. 10 seconds. If you sat down and applied that, you then might get, it's almost, ah, oh, is it G Jim, Jim Gaff? Jim Gaffigan, he's Jim amazing. Gaffigan, oh my who, God, the who horses? seems to sit there and then just goes, makes one topic and then has a rapid fire, 15 awesome punchlines on that one Even, thing. Have you heard of the horses? I don't think so. Well, if you go on YouTube, Jim Gaffigan, horses. Yeah. He does 15 minutes <laughs> on horses. And there's a point of the routine that, you know, Jim Gaffigan has that, 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 um, alter ego voice, like, yeah. he, and the voice goes, Is he gonna keep talking about horses? <laughs> and he keeps going, and it's funny and funny and funny and funny. And, um, well, I, I do that a lot when if I'm writing a, a, a one hour joke or, or I'm trying to get a long set of something, like, let's say, well, right, give me a, um, one word in your set list, one of your, just the title of the joke. Don't, I'm not going to do your joke, but just, just any word. Condom. Condom. All right. So let, you did your, you write a joke about condom and in, 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 um, maybe the condom, I'm not saying this is your joke, but I'm saying I write a joke about condom. And then at the end of, uh, of the joke, the punchline has to do with pharmacy or a pharmacist, yes. right? And then I'm, it took me to, so I never care about, I never, I, I was never thinking about writing jokes about pharmacists, but now I'm in that position where I hate pharmacists for some reason. And then from there I go back to what do I care passionately about the whole pharmaceutical world? Yeah. Yeah. And then I try to keep writing another joke yeah. and then I, and then that from pharmacy, it let naturally led me to, I don't know, uh, bar stools. <laughs> I don't know why, but let's say that. And then I want to write, and then I go, okay, what, uh, what do I say about bar stools? So, so when I start writing for a show, let's say I, I prepare 10 new minutes that I'm going to do in a, in an open mic. Those 10 minutes are usually linked together like that. Yep. And usually from those 10 minutes, only three minutes work. Oh, really? But I bring, I bring the 10 minutes. And then I might say, okay, only three minutes work, but maybe there's, there's good stuff in the other seven minutes that I need to fix a little bit. And that, and then that's when the joke becomes an independent joke. It's like, okay, that, that is no longer the condom joke that ends in the pharmacy. This is the independent pharmacist joke that I fix, but uh, that helps me so much, so much when I, when, you know how, um, 
good stories if you're writing about a character and how this character makes decisions and uh, you, you read a book and you go, well, this didn't make much sense. This character, why this character did that? It should have kept going doing yes. this. Yeah. So imagine the jokes are your character and the character will lead you where to go. The joke is going to tell, it will tell you, go this, get on this road. And then you write a long, a long routine because you follow what the, the joke want, wants you to get to. Does it, you say you, you write with that and you also have writing partners like Kirsty Rebeck. Do you, mm-hmm. do you, does Kirsty input on the joke that you're writing before you go into an open mic? Or where do you start bouncing those ideas? Or how, the, how does getting that feedback? Yeah, well, the, the, it's never the same structure. It depends on what time of the, of the season of the, my writing process I catch up with Kirsty or with any of my comedy yeah. writing friends. Um, sometimes uh, I can go, hey, um, I wrote this joke. I tried it. It didn't work. But I think there's something in it. And then bouncing off, and then you need to you need someone to explain the joke out loud. And it's like therapy. When you explain the joke out loud, you'll find the information that you need to say for the joke to work. But when you when you're saying it, if for, for the example of Kirsty, do you just perform the joke to her, or do you do you just no, explain I, it to her? I I read the joke first. Yep. I, I sort of, let's say, perform, but not in a full mode, yep. just we're having coffee. <laughs> and uh, she might say, or like, I don't get it. Yeah. What are you talking about? And I'm like, ah, oh, and then I go, uh, that's why it's not working. It's not working because the premise isn't clear enough for anybody. Yeah. yeah. Or sometimes we'll go, like, uh, for me, this happens a lot. Oh, the thing is, like what you're saying in Australia, we think that is this. And I was like, oh, I didn't know about that. Okay, yep. Or, um, yeah, or maybe say this word, you could put that word in the front, it's more clear, or, or maybe this punchline is not. And then I can go, I've, I like the premise, I like the setup, I think it's a good area, but the punchline is not working. And just bouncing off and talking out loud about the joke. Maybe after that, doesn't nothing comes up. But on the way back, driving back home, I'll go, oh, yeah. something, something that she said might have clicked. And then I go, oh, here's the joke. Or, or probably immediately. And, and she will say something hilarious. And I'll go, can I use that? And she will, usually says, yeah, let's do. Yeah. And, and we do the same. I'll do the same for her. And um yeah, with other comics, Sammy Shah, I work with him a lot. He's a good friend of mine. Yeah. And um, with Dilruk, I work as well. You got your, I think your comedy writing buddy has to be someone that you know. You've seen their stuff on stage. Yeah. And you can, you, you know their persona on stage, you know their style of writing, so you can serve ideas to that persona and to that style. Yeah. Cause, um, I might help someone that what I say has nothing to do with the persona and style. And that's all right. Like every comedian is very unique. No, well, yeah, I, I remember you sitting backstage with Sam Gabasalesi last year and yeah. just talking about, I think you were talking about building to a punchline cause you said he had some really good, jokes in there and I can't I, I, I just was like overhearing but you were structuring quite clearly on what he was delivering and how yeah. he was going about it and maybe there was a maybe the joke about he has a crucifix no uh, not like her girlfriend has a crucifix I can't remember I think I was yeah. nervous because I was about to get on stage yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um well, I must time to wrap up. It's flown, really. It's gone very quickly. Um, oh, man, I love talking about all this stuff. It's my favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> uh, I had, I, I've got two questions I sh- I, I've got to get to. One of them, Jim Maybe we asked, can do an, another episode in the oh, future. Absolutely. Happy to do it. Well, I've got you. I'll ask two. Um, Jim wanted to know how long you were in Australia for before you did your first gig. Uh, four months. 
four months. Four or five months. Had you been gigging in Venezuela beforehand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For for almost five years. Uh, so how? So I learned this, this, this a lot crosses, of comedy in Venezuela. This crosses over to something. I'm, I'm talking to Aidan Jones about touring overseas and writing material. He yeah. talked about how um, the rhythm of the joke and the words you use get baked into the delivery of the joke. And it's just a, a curiosity of, have you gigged in Spanish and the jokes that you use in Spain to uh, well, English? In, is it yeah. in Venezuela, different? Venezuela. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, I The way I explain it is as different languages are like different musical instruments. Yep. You, you need to play the same song on a trumpet or in a piano or on a guitar. You have to play them in a different way. And the song, you can recognize the song in the three different instruments, but they're different parts of the song or yeah, yeah, yeah. The, because the, 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 some instruments are more versatile than others. And let's say, for example, um, in the guitar, most of the notes, you have to create them with your left hand. And um, in the piano, the notes are there. You just have to play them. So it's the same with the with like English has strengths and weaknesses, and Spanish have strengths and weaknesses. And um, if you want to try the same joke, the the end product is going to be the same, but the the way the product is presented is completely different. Does it make sense? It makes sense. It's a great analogy. I, I, I can imagine that it's it's hard to um, to rephrase everything, but you're still winding up in the same area. Yeah, and another thing that I think um, every language has, you know, language shapes culture, shapes, and vice versa. And language is such a beautiful interesting thing that we humans have and uh, some languages communicate better than others yep. and, and again strengthen for example um the, what they call it the romance languages like spanish french portuguese uh, italian uh, romanian as well um they um these languages are more colorful and ornate you know, like you need i'm going to say these languages are, are not as efficient as english or germanic languages english dutch german these langu languages they're, they're 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 very efficient to communicate fast yeah um the romance languages are more they're communicating but they're giving you more of the you know when you i love reading fantasy uh epic fantasy books and some of them are just straightforward and quick and some of them just they take their time to show you about the world and the magic uh system and all the the things about the world so spanish has more of that there's more color spanish, to it yeah spanish wants more detail what makes it less efficient yeah in the writing but more efficient in the performing more efficient in the performing of it because yes. you 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 uh, you're conveying a lot more. Yeah, but, but the not, writing. Yeah, I think English is a great word for a great language for stand-up comedy because stand-up comedy is about communicating efficiently, so you can laugh with me in a short amount of time, so you don't get distracted in in the on the in the way in the way yeah. of getting to the punchline. You might get distracted uh, in Spanish if you if you talk too much, but it's so natural to talk too much. So you have to make you have to make the sec the, the the tangents of description. You have to make them funny as well, so you can continue with the the flow. So it might take a lot longer to get to the final punchline, but that's why I said that that the in, in Spanish will be it's better in the performance because. Uh, the the color that you're adding to the story or to the joke has also to be funny but you it's taking ages to get to 
and the audience, I imagine, is attuned to that. They enjoy yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. For example, a friend of mine, when we started doing stand-up in Venezuela, as, a, as an exercise, because he's very curious and, and, and great mind that likes to understand everything, he wrote a one-liner set yep. in Venezuela. And it was hilarious. Huh. No one got it. <laughs> because it, the audience was like, is that it? Yeah. Where's the... Yeah, where's, where's yeah. the light, where's the color, where's the yeah. extras? Yeah. Where's where's the, the way the natural communication the, isn't like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm pretty much out of time. I'm, I've got one, the last question I ask, why, why comedy of all the means of storytelling or communicating, yeah. which is what you're doing, why comedy? Well, um, I, I've, I've had many jobs. Yeah. Are you still there? Are you? Because yeah. you, yeah. you look frozen. I've had many jobs and I, I, uh, I love um, food and science and biochemistry and um, arts and comedy wasn't ever an option in my family. It, was, it wasn't forbidden, but it wasn't there. It wasn't yeah. on the surface. It wasn't one of the options. So not a job. Yeah. So I, I, I started my career in all these things as I said before, and I was working, I worked in, in breweries and I thought I loved making beer and I do love making beer, but I hated, I hated working for a company. And, yeah. and then I started working in um, teaching in the food industry, um, food and hygiene and sanitation was my first, first jobs in Australia. And I like teaching, I like communicating, I like sharing something I've learned, but still hated working for a company. <laughs> um, I worked in restaurants, I love cooking. I really love cooking a lot, but cooking in a restaurant is working, is not the way I yeah, like yeah. it. And then when I found that I could make money as a comedian, which was like for most of us, is not you don't start comedy to make money because you, <laughs> you love doing comedy. Yeah. So it's years after when you, when you start getting paid and you're like, Oh, this might be a career. Um, it was, I say you have to be, you have to, this is a phrase that I say in my new show, but um, I've been thinking something similar to this in, and I read this phrase recently love begins when you forgive the imperfections so my stand-up comedy life i am fully aware of the bad things yep. of my career the uncertainty like every year i'm i'm i don't know if i'm gonna make as much money as i did before i don't know if i'm gonna make any money at all um the the flying too much and the and 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 you know, being alone in the in in hotel rooms and also being forced to socialize with a lot of strangers because it's part of your job. Yes. And, and then yep. you don't have the energy because you already spent your entire energy just doing an hour show. Um, dying on stage is one of the most horrendous feelings there are. But it, yeah. if after dying on stage, I still want to do it. That's a good sign. <laughs> so stand-up comedy is a is a job that i i forgive the imperfections of 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 the trade yes and i'm still happy in this relationship with my job <laughs> we started off talking with pieces of paper in a relationship and now you're in a relationship that yeah you're... yeah you're in a relationship with your job and i think i think man like, i've i've met amazing comedians amazing writers that have quit comedy because they can't take it. Yeah. You, you, you take it as in the, uh, well, there's a lot of stress, but there's, as you said, the travel time, the alone time, the, the pressure on stage, the, the energy it takes out of you. And yeah. Selling tickets is stressful. Oh yeah. Yeah. Reviews stressful. Like I'm gonna, I'm about to, to direct, 
um, Comedy Zone and Sam Gabrielassi is, is going to be there. And, and, and um, I'll, I'm so excited about sharing the things that I learned and things I, I wish someone told me earlier. Yeah. And things that someone that people told me earlier, but I didn't pay attention to them till <laughs> many years later. And one of them is don't read reviews. Oh, really? Don't read, don't read them. And the way I put it now, after 10 years of doing festivals in Australia, is like a very good review is going to give you a little bit of joy. Yeah. But a bad review is going to give you a shit ton of sadness, regret. So the, the investment is not enough for the little bit of joy it's going to give you when it can actually give you so much negative feelings for weeks yep. and the reviews, the audience don't read the reviews. The only review that we need is people laughing or not in the show. Well, that's, and the, still, that's the thing that the review is the one person in the room who might yeah. not be laughing. I've, I've seen that and you, yes. you can tell, oh, they're the reviewer because they're, they've seen, this is the fifth show they've seen today and they're tired and they're not having as much fun as the other well, in my case, 15 or 50 people in the room. Yeah. And, and it makes you feel so bad if the review is bad. It's so hard to shake it off. The best way to shake it off is don't read it. Because yep. if, if it's an amazing review, it's going to make you feel good for a day. Yeah. It's just, and I still struggle with not reading them. I know they, the reviews are there. And it's, it's a very active, conscious hard work that I do to not go to them. Like I've, I've, I've been one click away from reading them many times. Do people tell uh, you to read them? No. Or, or is it just you thinking, oh, I should? Yeah, it's just me thinking yeah. I should. What I've done recently in the previous year, I tell my girlfriend who, whom I love, madly and she also it's a she's a she loves comedy she's she, she's a fan of comedy and she rem, she can remember my set list of three years ago and i don't <laughs> like she has this amazing memory so i tell her okay this year please read all the reviews don't tell me and only share with me the good one so i've, I've and she's happy with it and she yeah. and she keeps a secret like if the review is a bad review she'll never tell me she read that review does she and then is it, is it her job to give you the uh outstanding performance quote line <laughs> to use from yeah by the way no but no one cares about those quotes oh come on they're so important that's why we invite weekend notes to yeah, but, uh but <laughs> to think, show. Of, think about it like it's I think today the best way to promote a show to sell tickets is to put your stand-up videos online yep. and people will see you doing stand-up. If you made them laugh with your videos, they're going to come see your show. They don't need a poster that says, oh, hilarious, five stars. Like that, that means nothing. Yep. It takes time to accept that. And it takes years after years after years to you going, oh yeah, it doesn't make sense. I'm I'm always I was obsessed with the stars on the on the Well if you go to Adelaide Fringe that they used to be all over the place. Stars yeah. on posters and Yeah. Yeah, Reno of Weekly Comedy Award and or whatever. Everywhere. Like I have you have to grow your audience by being funny every single year that you do a new show hmm. and they will never care about the stars if you made them laugh the year before they're going to yeah. come and see you the, this year yeah that's it it's being funny that's it make them laugh and if you're doing a 10 minute set not a full show try to be a crushing 10 minutes like never never waste time on those 10 minutes had to be crushing. Boom, 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 boom. Joke, joke, joke. I'm gonna make you choke with your own laughter. That's 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 what you. That's what makes you being known. 
more than everything else. It's just, you gotta get these people going, laughing, 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 this was too much, yeah. In a, in a one hour show, you have all the time to, to relax. But if it's 10, 15, even 20, just your crushing set, don't waste it. Love it. <laughs> I wanted to leave that gap there as of like a pow. Yeah. <laughs> don't waste it. Don't waste it. <laughs> Thanks Long for having you. me, man. Thank Ciao. you very much. Bye. Bye. <laughs> that was another good episode. Thank you for listening to Dissecting a Frog, presented by Comedy Victoria. To support this podcast and hear about upcoming gigs and opportunities, become a member visit the website comedyvictoria.com.au and follow on social media at Comedy Vic. You can track down myself, Luke Morris, at Luke Morris Ha, but please don't take all this comedy talk too seriously because as EB and Catherine Wright wrote, humour can be dissected as a frog can, but the thing dies in the process.